camera speeds. Hey, Mark. Hello, and welcome to the Focus Puller at Work podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Kunell, and in today's episode, I'll be chatting with Focus Puller, Emily Jane Robinson, known as Emmy. Emmy is based in London in the United Kingdom, and we'll be talking about how Emmy got into the film industry in the UK. Even though she grew up in California, her thoughts on what it's like coming up in this industry as a woman, and how and why she started Emmyland, an independent boutique camera rental house in London. We'll also cover the advantages of uh, owning the lenses you're pulling focus on, and uh, we'll be chatting about the equipment and tools that Emmy is using the most. All of that, some occasional swearing, and much, much more on today's episode of the Focus Polar at Work podcast. Emmy, um... Or should I say, Emily Jane Robinson is with me today on the pod, and I'm very excited uh, to get to talk to you. Thank you very, very much for uh, your time, and thank you for being on the pod. Oh, thank you for having me. You can call me Emmy. Emily Jane just sounds like, I don't know, it just sounds <laughs> like I'm in trouble, but Emmy is good. <laughs> It is a cool name, though. I like Emily Jane, but Emmy um, absolutely will do. Uh, Emmy, um, that also makes sense because, you know, you founded the rental house Emmyland, which we'll get to, of course, in a little bit. Um, but I would like to start with, um, you know, generally, how did you get into the industry? I saw on your website that you, I think, grew up in Los Angeles. You definitely went to school or film school in Los Angeles, um, but you did end up in London, in the UK. So, you know... Give us a rundown. How how did you get there? So it's like kind of a long story, but I well, I was born in the UK. I was born in Birmingham. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. He um, manufactured furniture, and uh, we moved when I was at two. We moved to California, um, which was kind of a wild card that my mom just you know she she wanted to move there because she'd done some traveling there. Um, in her, in her teenage years. And I think they just kind of flipped a coin and were like, well, we can go anywhere. We've just sold a business. We're going to go to San Diego. And, um, my dad actually started another furniture business there, um, within the first few years, um, of arriving. Um, and my parents split up shortly after we moved. Uh, and, but, but my mom and I stayed in California and, uh, I, I spent, The, from the age of two until I was, I think I was 20, 22, 22 or 23, I moved back to the UK. And um, my choice in doing that was really because my mom had passed away the year before. And most of my family on her side of the family were here. Um, she was one of seven. And um, and I, it's a, it's, it's a kind of a long story, which we might not get into so much here, but I also am not an American citizen, even though I sound American and I grew up there. Um, it was, uh, a complicated immigration process for me, uh, in the 1990s. And because my parents had split up and it was, it was difficult for me to stay. So after I finished university there, I had one year to, to kind of do work study in in my in my fields that I'd studied so um, I didn't go to film school I went to uh, UCLA 
but I studied design and media arts. It was more of like a fine art focus. And I did a year working with one of my professors after I finished uh, studying. And she was a um, an installation and kind of uh, like film installation artist for like making installations for public spaces. Her name is Rebecca Mendez. Um, and she was kind of my mentor when I was when I was at university, and that's how I really kind of got interested in in filmmaking, but more so in cameras, kind of uh, working with them, working with sixteen millimeter, and working kind of more professionally with cameras. I think I'd always loved cameras since I was, I mean, forever. I think when I was like 14 or 15, like I got really into Wes Anderson and I, but I didn't really know about what a cinematographer was uh, or anything, but I knew about like Wes Anderson. I knew about Michel Gondry. I, I purchased like when I was 17, the, the director's series DVDs. So I learned about kind of commercial and music video film directors that way, but I still didn't learn about what a DP was or anything. So, but Rebecca kind of helped me onto that. And uh, then I moved back to the UK. Um, I only worked with her for a year and then I moved back here because uh, I was a little bit, I don't know, I wanted to be closer to family. I didn't have a way of staying in the United States unless I was going to beg Rebecca to like give me a path to a green card, which I, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do um, because it would take seven years. And I knew that I wanted to, I didn't know I wanted to to work in film yet, or I didn't know how I was going to work in film, but I knew that I wanted to have some kind of weird and exciting life that wasn't maybe uh, <laughs> working for someone else for such a long time. Um, so I, I actually went to art school when I moved back to the UK. I, I have a master's in fine art. Um, but I was making photographs and films in art school. Okay, um, but, I wasn't like. But just to clarify, real quick, so you, but you, I mean, you had family in the UK, and you probably, you know, had visited them, um, but you weren't, you weren't connected like in the industry at all. Like you just moved back to London, and you had no clue what you were getting into in your early twenties. Not at all. I mean, not totally. So I had one connection to the film industry, and that was through my best friend Sebastian, who goes by Boss, but. Uh, Boss worked for many years for Johan Rank, a uh, director, and he uh, he and I met at UCLA, Boss and I, and he kind of met Johan, I guess, like right towards the end of us finishing our degree. But he was the only person I knew that was working in film, but he was running. And then he ended up getting a job with Johan as his kind of go-to, you know, he worked with him closely as an assistant uh kind of internally at his like studio worked traveled with him for years so i kind of that's how i first got a connection to like knowing about like what the camera department was and boss would tell me like his stories of being on set with johan and you know they were working on um like h big H campaigns for h&m and well johan at that time was, was mainly doing commercials and music videos still but he you know now he's 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 moved away from that and is doing tv but so that was That was the way that I found out about our jobs, but I I didn't find out about them on the internet and I didn't find out about them like in the way that, that maybe people do now. Um, but I guess without uh, Sebastian, you know, having worked with Johan, I would have never even known what a director of photography was, okay. really. I, so. And when you got when you finally got to work in the industry a little bit, um, like you were in your mid twenties, still. 
I started I started doing like camera stuff and I wouldn't say working um so much like in a in the the roles that we work in now. I think a lot of my early work was like when I was 23 when I first got to London. I was doing like a lot of videography um like running around with a DSLR and I was just trying to meet people. Hmm. Um and there wasn't there it was the early the Instagram was like really early. It was like when Instagram just had like it looked like a Polaroid, you know, it was like just a filter. Like there was no there wasn't any but I I did meet some people that way. Um, you know, I met met another focus puller uh who works in London here named Kate Mullins. We met really early on in my career. Um, but I, you know, I eventually kind of got to a, a place where I was starting to do kind of smaller short films where there was like an actual camera department, which is where I finally kind of learned about well, what my job is now. But I mean, we, I mean, it just took years to like really, to really understand how am I going to get into this? How am I going to move my way up the department? And I think, you know, I didn't have, I, I mean, it, it's hard too. I think one of the most difficult parts for me was was feeling like I could say, uh, yeah, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that. And and I think I wanted to like kind of fake it till I made it a little bit, which I regret doing, I think, but because maybe I would have had more humility and just, but I just didn't know how to like get onto a trainee scheme or anything like that. I didn't have any of that information and I didn't meet anyone in my early times that kind of told me go in camera training. You know, no one told me to do that. So I didn't get to, you know, I just had to like, I just kind of jumped my way up. I did like a year like loading, but like also doing some DIT work. And then I just kind of fell into focus pulling on really small things. Uh, but I just, that's how I started doing it. And then it's like, you just get, you just do it for so long and then the jobs get bigger and bigger and you, that's how, how it works for me. And I, I really wouldn't recommend doing it that way. <laughs> Because I made a lot of mistakes, like a lot of Well, yeah, I I agree with you. I wouldn't recommend doing that either, but uh, I kind of did it the same way (laughs) And um, because I started it in Germany and then I moved to the US and then I lived in the US and I didn't know anybody, so I had to like start over again. And, um, you know, you start with any sort of work that you get. And it was weird because you always dream about, oh man, you know, one day I want to be, you know, maybe a focus puller and I want to work on bigger productions. And at some point you might just realize, you know, while still chasing that dream that it's like, well, actually I am working on, on actual stuff. Like those are real productions. And, you know, I mean, they could always be bigger, I guess, unless you work on Star Wars or whatever. But, um, it, you know, at some point you just realize like, oh, damn, I kind of made it. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's so strange how that happens. Or just suddenly you like feel like you're getting old, but you still, I don't know. Sometimes I, I remember so, you know, I feel like my 20s really was like the first, it's the first decade of my life that I remember every part of. I remember I remember being 20 years old. I don't really remember being 10. I mean, a little bit, but like, I, f- I feel like I was like fully formed as a 20 year old. You know, I lost my mom when I was 21. So I went through some very uh, difficult things as a very young person. But, you know, I, I don't know, you just, suddenly I'm 35 now. It's been 15 years since you know or thir- you know 14 years since i kind of was starting to do camera stuff and it's just like 
I, I don't know. You just look back. You're like, gosh, like I really have. It's really a long. It is a long time now, you know. And and I am different than I was then. But I it's I remember every part of it. Uh, but it, I think that's, you know, when you're that age and you're just starting out, I I think. I wish so much that I had said more often, I don't know, or how do you, how do I do this or ask more questions and not tried to pretend that I knew. I remember being on like a Barclay card, like content job and like literally not understanding like how to put together the Alexa plus, I guess it was then. Like, I just didn't know how to put it together, but I was focusing it. Like I just, I just needed to like, I was just trying to put the camera together and uh, I wish that I hadn't done it that way but sometimes you know you just get by and like you just it just happens and and you know eventually you do meet the people that are going to support you which i did which we can kind of come to later yeah. but but then um, i think i think generally it's a, it's probably a very good advice to give to you know any sort of newbie who's listening to this podcast like please ask questions i don't think uh anyone's going to be mad at you for asking anything like you, you know we'd rather have you not break something um or screw something up and uh, i don't think there's any issue with you asking any sort of question so uh yeah please keep please everyone keep that in mind and ask it's totally fine for sure and just say i don't know i literally do, do not know but like i want to know so bad that's what i would say you know just say i want to know it so bad but i just don't know yeah because that so. shows that you you know you're you're really interested but so okay yeah. so um so you got into this and uh you know you you started pulling focus so you know you did fake it until you made it in a way but at some point and we're going to get into the rental business um you know full on a little later but at some point you also started uh your own rental company called emiland um but how did that happen and when did it happen so I think it's important to say when I started Emmyland, I didn't think that we would be a rental house like we are now. I really didn't. I thought that I was going to buy a couple bits. Well, not a couple bits. I So I took out a personal loan, which I then loaned to my company. Uh, and I, you know, I, I purchased a Alexa Mini and a lens control system and... I can't even remember if I had all my mon. I don't think I had the monitors at the beginning. I think I just had the lens control system and the camera, um, and oh, and a set of Cook Mini S4s because they were the the lenses that I could afford within the loan that I took out. Um, and I just thought that I was going to try to get my gear on some jobs, and I thought that I'd kind of make a little bit more money that way. And I thought that it would kind of cut out the kind of sh well can i swear on this absolutely please yeah. <laughs> the like shit jobs that i didn't want to do you know i thought that maybe it would help me kind of just up my game a little bit i was still within first i guess i was within i've been i've been focusing for like 10 years but i think i was i mean i've had the business now for it'll it'll be seven years soon so you know, I was still in the first few years of my career doing this and I really thought I was going to like up my game to just have these things. But what I quickly learned was that uh, production don't want, it's actually sometimes annoying for them to put like, a, you know, it's, it's different now with like putting your personal focus kit on a job, but even that can be hard. Everyone knows about selling, you know, you're always having to match the price of the rental house. And it's, it's actually really challenging. Sometimes people don't, Uh, understand how important it is for your own gear. But I was doing, you know, I wanted to, at the beginning, just 
be able to make a little bit more money. I wanted to, to up my game. I wanted to try to, to try to meet and work with kind of new people that were going to put me on better jobs. But I also really wanted to not, there, there were, I wanted to build it up so that I had like, you know, at least one full shooting package, which is what I did do within one year, which is, I mean, it was nuts, but I, within a year, um, I had like a full package with like amazing monitoring, uh, everything. So, you know, I could go and I could just, and, and, and filters and everything. So I would just go and it would be like, you know, we have this much money and I would supply the whole job, uh, you know, and that happened within 12 months. Um, but I think what I really wanted to do at the beginning was I just wanted to have everything be perfect because I was so tired of being sent to a rental house and having, you know, when you're fighting the gear all day and it's your job to make sure that everything is, is perfectly working. I think on, on, on smaller budget jobs, which I was working on at the time, you know, it would be like, okay, Panavision are just going to like throw on all the kit for like 800 pounds and production think that's great. But like what you're getting is all the kit that's like on the back shelves, all the stuff that hasn't been used or it's not, it's not very good. So, you know, and then you're on set with a DP that you really want to impress and you want to work, you know, want, want everything to be done very quickly and perfectly. And you're like just battling the kit the whole time and it, it doesn't help you progress when you're doing that. It's horrible. And I wanted to be like, I, I don't know. I wanted to be an assistant that was like, you know, if you hired me, like everything was sick. Like everything was like, you know, you never had to worry about time. You never had to worry about stuff not working properly. It was just like perfect all the time. So that's, that was the kind of initial plan. Um, but you know, the whole time, when, once you get into having a certain amount of kit, you are definitely going to be competing with the rental companies. And mm. so in order for us to expand and to be able, you know, you can't just have like one set of mini S4s. Those are great lenses, but it's like, you know, people think they're slow because they're 2.8 or there's all these, they're not that fashionable anymore. You know, they were, they were, I mean, I don't know, like, I, I can't remember the last time I did a job on S4s. I literally cannot even remember. But at the beginning, 15 years ago, or four, 13 years ago, whatever, like all my jobs are S4s. But it's just, you've got to offer, you've got to be able to offer a variety of lenses for everyone to choose from, for whatever their, you know, whatever the story they want to tell is. That's the most important thing. And and you've you've got to be somewhere where, production can come and they say, this is our budget for the camera gear. And you've got to be able to supply all those things within that budget. And so um, we just kind of had to organically grow into a rental company. But I, I, can, I don't know, I can talk a little bit more. I think it's really important for me to talk about Max as well, because I met Max only six months into me uh, starting the business. Mm -hmm. And um, Max is my, well, I say is and was, but Max uh, is my business partner at Emmyland, and he um, was, is, but was a second AC uh, for the last like seven years or eight, eight years. And he started working as a loader when he was uh, 17 or 18. And he had kind of a difficult moment for, for in his, in his life as a teenager where his dad lost his business and his parents said to him, like, 
that, you know, they couldn't help him go to university. So he kind of had to make some very big adult decisions when he was a young person. And his choice was to that he was going to go to work uh, and he was going to work for a year and decide if he wanted to go to university. And um, that's when him and I met was in that year where he was deciding whether or not he would go to school. So, um, but so you guys like basically started teaming up, and then uh, he's been your second AC pretty much exclusively. Yeah, for like, well, I guess yeah, almost seven years. Um, but we this summer we, um, well, we were on a feature together, and uh, it was impossible for us to be on that job together. Uh, the the business has grown to be of a certain size where you know we're supplying like. Today and tomorrow, we have like five different active jobs going on. Wow. This is this is a Monday to Monday, Tuesday, you know, it's and uh, for us to both be on set. I mean, Max like had to be on his laptop the whole time. It was just crazy. So he made the choice this summer that he would take a sidestep and he would go back and, and run the business. And we had also brought on, brought on some new staff. So he, but someone needed to be there to run the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that does sound amazing that the business has grown so much, but um, I'm very curious because you've been in a, I would say, pretty unique position where you've worked with Max then for, for many, many years as your second. I mean, how describe that a little bit because... I assume that working with the same second and somebody that you were able to kind of grow with, there was kind of like, at some point, probably a blind understanding. So you must miss him now, yeah. even though he's, you know, he's taking good care of the business, but you must miss him. Of course. We, I mean, we talk all the time anyway, but so I think that what we have is, is unusual. I think um, a lot of people, I mean, I've said this before, but a lot of people think that Max and I are like romant a romantic couple, but we're not, we are like, Almost, we have a. I mean, I'm I'm over I'm over ten years older than Max, so I met him when he was very young. He was eighteen, and I was almost thirty. So, um, I think it's important to understand that kind of beginnings of of feeling like I was kind of like big sister to him, and I don't know. I think that what we have is really unique. Uh, not only are we like business partners in the business, we were a camera team. Uh, But we are also best friends. So, I mean, I think I've, you know, when you're working on set with someone for years and years, it's like you've spent more, I mean, you spend more time with everyone on set than you spend with your family. It's like they are like a family to you. But, I mean, we've spent like many, I mean, we spent like years of our lives together at this point, like just working together 15, 16 hours a day. And um, I think it gets to the point when you have, I, I think, What we've what we've found is 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 very special, but it's also, you know, it's made us it made us as a camera team, just, I mean, we just didn't have to talk that much. We're very we work very quietly and diligently, and because we just, I don't know, we're talking all the time offset, but on the floor, it's like, we just have a system. Like it's like we don't even need to talk about what the system is at this. I mean, it is like. I, I don't know. It, it just, it, I guess it took time to build that up, but it's like you do, I guess you do like one to two feature films with someone. And then it's like, yeah, I think, and then you keep working together for another six years. It's like, uh, it, it made it, it made it very, it made us very quick. 
very fast. I think that we're, you know, we complement each other in terms of our personalities. You know, Max, I mean, Max always, <laughs> he doesn't brag about it, but he has like an Apple watch that he wears all the time. And his like resting heart rate, like is 52. So he's like a super chill dude. And I'm, I think I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm like, I can be, I'm, I try to be calm. It's, but I'm, I'm like an anxious, I'm like a bit, I'm like a nervous wreck sometimes, you know, but I, I don't, I don't always express that, but I mean, he's like a super calming influence and he's really good at multitasking. It's something that I was never good at, which is why I didn't load for that long because I just, my brain, I think I struggled to, um, if there's a lot of different things going on that I have to think about, I can't do anything. Mm. So that's why I think I'm so good at my at, at focus because it's just one thing that I really have to worry about. And I think that's how we kind of worked is, you know, it wasn't always that way. But, you know, as Max got trained up and he got better and better at his job, it's like he was just taking care of everything I didn't have to worry about stuff. You know, sometimes I'd give like a gentle note if we needed to do something better or we needed this or that. And I'd like whisper to him, but like, you know, he was just like, just looking, taking care of me and like, you know, running the show. Every Everything that we needed was always right with us because he, you, you know, but it's just time. Like, I think anyone can get to that. If they, if they're humble and you, if you're humble and you want to get your head down and do good work, like, I just, and you're kind, I don't think that like anyone wouldn't succeed and do really good work. I think, and that's how he was, you know, and, and is, I keep talking about him in the past tense because he's, he's not on set right now. Um, he's, 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 you know, but that's the thing that I think it's also important to, to know that when you're loading, I mean, and loading for as long as he's been loading, there's a point where everyone wants, everyone needs and wants to progress. And, you know, I, I think Max at this point, he, he didn't want to focus and he didn't want to step up and shoot. And, and his interests really lie in, in the business side of stuff and in kind of the technology. And he's currently training to, to become like a master lens technician. You know, that's what he's doing right now. Very cool. And, and he, you know, is 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 super interested in in kind of the the business side of things and 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 running the company. So um, and being, you know, very connected to that in terms of like meeting all the camera teams that come in, being able to offer this like boutique, really wonderful personalized service in terms of looking after everyone that comes in and, and is working on our kit. And uh, would you say that Max is, um, or when you know when you, when he still was your second um, in the good old days, um, was he more of like the the techie kind of person, and you were more of a, a creative mind? Would would you would that I fit don't know. the description? I think he's really creative too because he like studied sculpture in high school, and he had he was like making these massive like wood sculptures that he did some art shows like at the Saatchi and stuff. Like he had a very creative background. Um, I think that I'm obviously like very technical, although I try to like say that I'm not, but I am, but I just get annoyed. I'm, I'm more of like a practical technical person. It's like, okay, cool. This is awesome. And it's allowing me to do this thing very easily. I love that. Like I want it to work. I want stuff to work all the time. And I, 
And that's how I am. I don't want to sit there and like look through the new high five menus for like 25 minutes and like laugh about how we can change the like, you know, the backlight color and stuff like that's It's like, OK, cool. Like, let's move on. Like, that's great that I can change that if I have like different arrows on my wheel or whatever, if I'm doing a tracking shot, I can change the color now. So the, the arrow color doesn't matter so much. Like that's cool. But like, I don't need to like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I think I'm pretty nerdy, but I'm not like technically obsessed. And I also am happy to like find solutions if, if something isn't working per, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I, I think I'm just more practical, uh, mm. in my, in my, in the way that I think about like tech stuff. Okay. Um, but I, th- I, I think that makes perfect sense, though, and it's yeah. Um, because yeah, I, you know, I, I like the technical side of being an AC, but it's really like you said, it, it's you know, we got to a point in time where shit should just work, and uh, yeah, it's great that we have it, but it should just work, um, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to know how to like deal with a Teradex system and like, you know, repair it and, and switch the channel or the frequency or whatever. I don't want to know that. I just want it to yeah. work. <laughs> Max, Max likes to, I mean, Max, yeah. If a, if a Teradex needed to be repaired, like I don't want to deal with that. Like he's can do that. And he's done that. You know, he, yeah, I think our really, he's much more willing to like take on those, those burdens than I am. But I think that, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think he just enjoys being like kind of quietly working, and he 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 doesn't mind like going into those menus. And you know, I just want like I just want things to be done quickly so I can move on and you know and and, and do my next task and, and make sure the camera's ready. And you know, I don't know. I I think, um, but we were a good team in that way as well, and we still are. Um, I think it's probably good to talk about Alfie a little bit too, because um, Alfie works with us at our company. He started with us as a trainee. He's been with us for almost three years, and um, and he was he came on every job with Max and I um, since he started working with us. And then this summer, and then well, I guess last year he started to kind of step up with me on some commercials uh, where Max stayed back, and we kind of started splitting up a little bit. Uh, it just these things happen sometimes organically, like without really deciding like Max is going to run the company. Like we never had that conversation really. Um, and until in the summer when it, it literally got so unmanageable, uh, the, just how many jobs there were to do. And, and Alfie was staying back to, to do that work this summer. But what we ended up doing is we switched Max said, I'm coming back and you're going to come up. So Alfie stepped up like, you know, big time this summer. And he did that feature with me. Um, that's a film for sky that's coming out. Um, has like the quickest turnaround of any feature I've worked on. Um, but it's with Michael Sheen. Uh, it's coming out on like sky cinema this Christmas. Um, so Alfie, yeah. And, and Alfie, um, so he, Alfie and I were in Wales together for the whole summer working on that. And, um, and so now, uh, yeah, now it's like our time. And I think because, you know, he worked, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, obviously Alfie and Max are very different, um, but like Alfie's been with us for years working like as our trainee. So he understands like everything about how we've worked and the system that Max and I developed together. You know, there's just little things like Max and I have like 
a few different floor bags and we had our, you know, we have our own carts that we work from and just how we organize everything. And all of our floor bags have names. Uh, the There's two, cause they're all the same bag. So like you need to like name your bag or I, I do. I mean, it's like, because if you're working with someone new or someone needs to go get something from a, a bag, you don't, you just want to say the name of the bag. You don't want to say it's in that one. That's, you know, so our bags are named Merlin queen, Merlin and Queen are well, were and are my dogs. Uh, Queen passed away last year, but Merlin Queen, and then I think we have a bag uh, that's called Tyler for Tyler the Creator because Max loves Tyler, and then there's uh, an Andre three thousand bag as well. Um, that is that is really amazing. I um I love I love that because it's uh it's creative and it's smart and uh, it makes things more fun, uh, but uh, like. It sounds like generally you have like a perfect camera assistant system there. Like you have two people <laughs> who know all your stuff. You work with all that stuff because it's yours. So you kind of maintain it uh, and you get to work with it the entire time. Like you're the one prepping your own gear. And even in your off time, you have that gear at hand to make sure it's in perfect shape and you can train and learn and whatever you want to do with it when you're not shooting with it. Uh That's amazing. Yeah. I actually, I'm very jealous. That's, that sounds like oh. a pretty good deal. Well, now it's not, now I can't really touch it if I'm not shooting with it because it's working with someone else. Like this year we changed, you know, everything uh, this summer really when Max kind of went back. So we have two, we have two kit room technicians named Ellie and Joe who are with us now. Um, everyone started this year. So we've just gone through this period of kind of rapid expansion. It was like just Alfie, Max and I. And now we're six. So we have Ellie and Joe, our kit room technicians. And then we have uh, someone else named Jacob who's working in bookings. And then uh, either Max or Alfie or I also kind of work in bookings. Max kind of jumps between managing kit room and also working in bookings. So we're still really small, but uh, and we're working really collaboratively. Um, but we do have people, you know, it, it is at a point now where it can function without if max and i went away or you know we it kind of can run itself now a little bit whereas like i mean it's taken years to get to that point um but i can't remember what i was gonna say but now the kit you know it's it's working all the time when i'm when i'm not shooting or so alfie and i we've been instructed like when we finish our job we have to derig it like how we would any at any other rental house we put everything back you know everything gets everything's barcoded so it's like everything gets checked in and out the same way which has been fine you know it's th there were points like in the last few years where like you know everything we we would maintain it and and clean it and stuff but we wouldn't always like completely derig and like because we were shooting so we would just If we were in short format, we would like, you know, just keep the stuff built and like change the lenses over or whatever it, in prep. But it was, but now we have to do a little bit more work. Um, but it's just so that, that, that stuff can work all the time without, you know, if we're not shooting. So, but that sounds amazing that you've been instructed by your own employees, you know, to say like, hey, uh, you got to get this ready for the next one. Absolutely. Um, Max, yeah, I mean, I made a joke to Alfie, like when, yeah, I was just gonna say we're now like we're gonna be like the annoying camera team that are like working here. That if we've like put something back in the wrong place or whatever, it's gonna be on us. Now they're gonna give us a hard time, but no, we don't do that. We're, you know, I think that there is something to say for that too. In that, 
you know, another reason why I think I have progressed so much as a focus puller. And I think that everyone should take a note from this because I've kind of seen it on the other side as the rental house, but respecting the gear, taking good care of the gear is like, it is like your, no, I mean, other than keeping it sharp, it's like your number one job because if the gear doesn't work, uh, then, then, you know, our boss like cannot shoot, like cannot do what they need to do. And like that makes them look bad. You know, it's just, you have, and I've just seen gear being been handled in such a terrible way. And, you know, I had never treat our gear like that because it's my administrative problem or it was for years. If something goes down, it's so annoying to get something fixed. It's so annoying to have to go and like buy, you know, a screw that got lost. That's like from the, I mean, I don't know the 13, we have something right now, like the 1303, the sun hood has these like very specific thumb screws that you can only order from small HD. And it's like, then they take like weeks to come from the U S it's like, just don't lose anything. Don't break anything. Just treat it like it's gold. And like, you'll be great because at the end of the job, production isn't going to get like a massive list from the rental house. That's like, this is missing. This is missing. This is missing. This is broken because that just makes you look like shit as a camera, as a camera assistant. Yes, and, 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 and everyone does notice production will notice, you know, they will remember your name for, for, you know, getting that call from the rental house. The rental house will definitely notice and they will remember because it's a hassle for them. So I think, you know, if you, if you treat the gear well, um, <laughs> then, uh, that reflects good on you. Uh, from from every direction i think um but while we're on on the gear topic real quick because i'm i'm very curious because you got access to pretty much whatever you want i guess as a focus puller what do you like to uh, work with in terms of uh, what's your fizz what's your monitor um setup what any other gadgets what what do you have well i well i just moved i guess last year i moved to working with a small hd 1303 um which has been but before that i had a 703 and before that i had a, a 503 and then i also had a 502 i guess when i first 502 is like the first monitor that i bought when i first started emmyland um but i'm like you know i'm not really uh like super snobby about what i use i think that uh, i also have used the wcu4 for years um we recently got we're like well, i think we might be the first rental house in the uk that had a high five um i and then i was given the high five max and like kit room gave me the high five to work with first because they i don't think it was just that they were trying to be nice to me i think it's that we didn't have a case cut for it yet so they were like give emmy the high five like she can deal with it and actually like i really didn't like it at first because i'm like a creature of habit and i like you know i've i've when I get stuck in a system of doing something, not stuck, but I get comfortable somewhere. I just don't really want to leave that place. And I feel like it's taken me years to get really good at what I do. And I just don't want anything to change. I just like, I don't mind if the camera changes. Cause that's like fine. Like I've, I've kind of accepted that, but like changing my hand unit and changing how like I get to certain menus. Like I know the WC4 so well. I set up all my quick buttons. Like I've got my profile saved in the camera. So like every time I go on a mini or an LF, it's like, that's my stuff. Like I know how to, it's just so fast. And now I've got to do that again for the high five and just like navigating the touch screen is like, it's been annoying, but I know that the more I do it, it I'll get used to it. Um, but so, but I'm happy to send that out and not work with it myself. I think that's 
um, <laughs> something that I'm finding. But yeah, what else? I mean, I love the cine tape. I think that I should change probably to the RT, but I just, I haven't done it because I honestly haven't, I mean, I haven't stopped shooting enough to train myself on it. I've just been shooting, shooting, shooting for years. And I guess at some point I should probably talk about the accident that I've had because I, I did have a, a cycling crash a couple of months ago. So I'm talking to you with a broken hip and elbow and I'm not shooting right now. So this would be the perfect time for me to get an RT. Well, I bought one. It's coming. I'm going to learn it and I'm going to get my shit together. But I think, I've the, used I, th I think the problem you have right now is that it takes forever to get one because I think they're in high demand and they're uh, also struggling with getting the microchips or whatever it is that everyone's wanting right now. So I think... Uh, Because I've 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 seen so many people on Instagram and Facebook saying, "Hey, anyone selling their Cinerity?" and like no one's ever replying. It's like, no, it's mine. I'm gonna keep it forever. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure they. I'm yeah. I think. I don't know. I'm ready to learn that. I'm excited about it. I but I've you know like I've used my Cine tape for years. I love that thing, and I also like you know I know what its shortcomings are, but I have another solution for like where I'm not using that thing, and I think. All the gadgets and all the stuff, it's great. But at the end of the day, like, I think for me, you know, I started without any equipment. I started without any gear. I started focusing when we didn't, we couldn't afford to even have like an FF4. So I'd like work on the lens. And, but I know focus pullers that worked that way, like back in the day. They didn't even, they wanted to work on the lens. They wanted to see the markings on the lens. And that's how I learned too, mainly because we didn't have any money. But I think just knowing, you know, I like to work really close to the camera. I need to have line of sight. It's very irritating for me when I don't have it. I didn't have it all summer, basically, because I was working on a train. And they just don't, it's like the the more that technology develops, it's like the more they don't want us anywhere near the camera, which I find, you know, it's it's fine. But I also think it's really important to work closely to your boss. I think for me, I I've always really you know my relationship with the dp is like and my loader it's like those that's like the only stuff that matters to me like and if i'm not close to them it's like quite quite hard to you start feeling really disconnect i do i f start feeling disconnected i start feeling like uh disenchanted with my job i feel you know i i get down i i i i don't know I, I, I get down when I, you know, if I work in a studio for months on months and months in the dark, you know, I can get depressed. I can get like, uh, and then you don't see anything, you know, you see everything when you're shooting every day, but you know, I, I always ask my boss to like send me stills or send me, you know, sometimes I've had the, had, had DPs that will send me the assemblies every week when I'm on a feature. And like, that is like so important to be able to, Like re it's like, because you, you can start to feel like, what am I doing? Like I'm in another room on a monitor. I can't even see the camera. You know, that doesn't always happen, but they could put you in another room on a monitor. You can't see it. You know, you just see what you're shooting. You're working such long hours. You're doing a very, very difficult job. I mean, we should probably talk more about that as well, about how hard the job actually is. I sometimes feel like our jobs, like as focus pullers, I mean, I sometimes feel like I'm doing an impossible task uh i mean but you know i think that kind of role of you know the the dp 
like as a manager or the operator as a manager as well. I mean, and then as us as managers a little bit too, but I mean, but there, you know, I think that sometimes, sometimes people didn't come up through the department, like some, that, that happens all the time now is that people didn't come up through the department. So they don't understand their role as the manager. But I think that for me, the best cinematographers and the best operators that I've worked with, uh, are the best managers of people. And that's like where their real strengths are beyond like making beautiful images, because I think that making, or, you know, telling stories, you know, telling stories like through operating in a, you know, that's, that, that stuff is amazing, but it's like a lot of people can do that. But I think a lot of people are not good man. You know, a lot of people don't know how to manage people and they don't know how to, to motivate and, and include, you know, cause I mean, just what I was talking about before about like seeing the rushes, you know, I know that it was different back in the day that you got to watch them or you could go and see them, but like, that's just not available. I mean, at least in the UK, it's not available to me. Like I can go and sit with the DIT and see stuff, but like, I don't really get a lot of time to do that. And they're so busy at the end of every day because they've got to do all their work. You know, they stay for a few hours after us, so I, I don't ever really want to bother them. But I think being able to see an assembly every week is like really, really, really important. And I think that, you know, that's a, probably a good note. I don't know if any DPs will listen to this, but if they do, like it'd be, you know, thinking about like just including and motivating your team and not forgetting them because you know, when your team feels inspired and connected to the project, like, I mean, I, I think everyone surely is like just pushing to do their very, very best work. Oh, absolutely. And, they, and, and, and if, and if, you know, if, if there's a DP that treats me that way and shows me that kind of appreciation, and I, I do understand that they're under way more pressure than I am, um, yet they're still my boss. And if I do feel that appreciation, then I will, you know, I'll walk through fucking fire for you. I don't like, I'll do anything. <laughs> Um, but if you don't treat me that way, then I, I would say my personality goes in a way where it's like, all right, then screw you. I'll do the bare minimum. Then, you know, if you don't care, then I don't care, which is wrong. But it, you know, after six weeks, you get to that point where it's like, oh God. Um, that also, while we're on the topic of communication, um, because I had this experience and that was the first time I ever had that on a feature. I've had that on commercials before, but never on a feature. We were uh, working with, uh, intercoms and it, uh, it drove me insane. Um, it drove me insane because there was no real uh, discipline. Like, you know, there was just always someone talking into my ear. Uh, and it was all, for the most part, information that had nothing to do with me or my camera. And it drove me nuts. And it drove me nuts after the first week. And I knew we we're going to have another six weeks of this. Um, is that something you notice too? Because I see on, on Instagram a lot of pictures of uh, people with intercoms now. And so it seems like that's yeah. the new thing. So we always use them, but I think um, we, so we have like a hub that allows for there to be like two channels, I guess. Um, I, I, I mean, on commercials I've worked where like, it's like the gaffers on the same, like, you know, like, the, but I don't know, like a lot of the gaffers, they just like, don't really want to, I think the, the way that it works best is when camera team is on uh, I can't remember what the comms are called right now, which is horrible. I think the ultra light, ultra light. Yeah, they're called, but if camera teams on those and then the DP also has like another radio where he's like able to, or she, 
Sorry. I just caught myself there. But I've, <laughs> I work with a lot. I don't really work with a lot of female cinematographers. I have to be honest. And I don't know if that's because we can talk about that too. But I'm starting to work with more. I've got a couple, a couple that I'm working with now, which makes me feel so excited. But I've worked with, so, I mean, I've literally spent my whole career working with guys, like uh, the whole time. And so sometimes I catch myself out. But, and I've been, I just did a feature with a guy. So I'm just, our man. So I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm just talking about him really. So I could talk about him, Dave Miller. I just did a feature with him this summer and he had, uh, he spoke to lighting on like the old school radios. And then he talked to us on uh, our headsets and he didn't always have his headset on to talk to us. He kind of took it on and off. I wish that he had it on more. Cause I just sometimes, cause I was working on this train every, I, the whole film set on a train we used real trains inside of a studio. Um, and sometimes like I just needed him to put it on because like he was like not so close to me or it's really, I don't know, it's hard. You know, it's really great if they can be on it, but I understand they don't want to be on it all the time and they need to talk to lighting too. But basically we try to run it so that like just us is on it, like me, uh, Alfie or Max, and then our trainee, um, and then on this film, we had like our video team were also on it, but I think we just have like really strict protocol and like when you're not, I mean, I'm pretty, I am fun and I am <laughs> really nice. I, I think I try to be really kind and I try to be fun, but like on set, like I can be like a beast, like I can be really serious and I'm not like mean, but I'm just serious because I find the job to be quite hard. Like just, just some of the stuff like that like I'm pulling on now is just like a fucking nightmare. Like it really is like just like, I mean, <laughs> it just keeps getting harder and harder. And I just need to like, I, when I'm on set and I'm doing difficult work, like I just need to be quiet and I need to be super focused. And so I just kind of, if someone's like talking and like messing around, well, first off, I don't have cameras. Like I'm, you know, I think that the people I work with, they know that I'm really serious. They know that I'm quiet. They know that I am like, that's my personality. I'm not goofing off. I don't have time to chat on set. I'm very, you know, that's just my, that's just the way I am. I think that uh, David Angaro, who I work with when he comes to the UK, like he, one of the best things he ever said to me was like, I love working with you and Max. I don't like people that talk. I just want to like, I just want to be, he's super serious too. He, you know, we, well, we laugh, you know, when we're not on the floor, we are whatever, but like, just don't talk in the comms. Like if you need to talk, I mean, I think everyone needs to respect that. And I think I've, maybe I've just been lucky, but I think I would say I'm pretty, you know, sometimes I get myself into trouble too, because I mean, I do speak, sometimes I'm outspoken. And I think sometimes that people think that I, you know, I, I will tell you, you know, if you're talking on comms or whatever, if they were like the video guys or whatever, I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Like we need to, we need to work. It's quiet time and I can't concentrate or I'll just take them off if people, yeah, you know. See, in, in our case, that was a bit of the problem because the, uh, the person talking the most was the DP. So it's, it's kind of tricky to tell the DP to shut the fuck up. And I think the biggest issue that we had um, was that, uh, so we had, two cameras um and it was the dp the b camera operator the gaffer the key grip and then it was the two first acs um and we were the only people with uh comms and what really bothered me the most was that the second 
didn't hear like they couldn't catch anything like that was being said because if we wouldn't like if the first acs wouldn't turn around and like you know repeat it to them then they had no clue what was happening because they were excluded from the whole conversation and that was i know your loader has to be on it's like i mean that's crazy that like the loader can't be on you've got to get more headsets (laughs) absolutely then you have to get more headsets it wasn't it wasn't my decision i i would have said we could have done 98 percent of this movie without intercoms it wasn't that big you know it was and we were all like together pretty much all the time so um uh let's move on a little bit um uh still on the on the gear topic um what i what i really like i i looked at your website so you've obviously you have the emiland uh website but you also have a personal website that kind of lists your work as a as an ac um what i love about that website is that on every project uh, and there's a bunch um but you always list the camera and the lens that uh, were being used. And so uh, I encourage everyone, uh, check it out. It's emilyjanerobinson.com. Um, but check it out because it is uh, really, it's either a fun exercise to like, you know, look at the clip and kind of guess what you were using. Um, or at least you can see um, what a certain lens camera combination uh, is able to produce in terms of looks. But like as a focus puller, since you're able to use your own lenses for the most part, um, you've been using those lenses, I, I guess, some some of them for years. Does that help you? Like, does it help you to know the characteristics of each lens that you're pulling on? Of course. I mean, I think like, I've done uh, film wise, like feature wise, I've done the most work on the Cook Anamorphics. We have our, we, ours are the special flare versions of the Cook Anamorphics. Um, but I've also done a ton of features on super speeds. Uh, we have a set of super speed Mark IIs. Yeah, I mean, I know those lenses like, sometimes I wish people would, I, sometimes I wish my boss would like kind of trust how well I do know those lenses. Um, I think that. Uh, I mean, gosh, working on anamorphic, it's it's just, I mean, I've been through it on those lenses. I've done some of the most difficult things I've ever done on those, you know, on some of the longer lenses, like, try, you know, I've done it all. Like, I, I think, yeah, it's an amazing, it is it is an amazing thing to to work on your own gear. But I think that, like, you know, you can do, you as you work more and more, you just, you you will find that there are patterns and things that are in fashion and you'll end up working on, you know, one set of lenses a lot or, you know, or, or I, I think uh, it's really important to, to, to do that testing and prep. Um, but I mean, you won't really start kind of understanding them until you've done a few weeks on something and then you're like, you know, you just, you just start knowing instinctively like if you know i mean i'll go back to the to the anamorphics and like our r85 on our supers there's like some weird soft spots in it um but yeah i mean i think cook anamorphic it's like in any anamorphic but especially these it's like you know i sometimes when you know you're doing tracking shots like if the you know, just the framing is so important. I, I worked with a a difficult operator a couple of years ago on something who um, just wanted to step off the dolly and let us get our marks 
without them there. And I think that the framing is so important because if you are working at minimums or close to minimums uh, and say like someone's eyes aren't like dead center, you know, I think I had one DP that described those lenses to me as like eye of the tiger that like, you know, just the the dead center is is sharp, but then mm-hmm. all the fall off and every, especially at the, the top and the bottom of the image, uh, I mean, you just need the operator to like show you exactly where they're going to frame something because the marks that you're going to take are, or at least the marks that I take, I have to take them on the monitor because if I'm kind of sharpening up like at the correct distance, sometimes the fall off makes it not so sharp. You need to kind of find the sharp point. And I think, you know, but then there's also the part of me that's just like, you know, I worked, I did that job. I had a very difficult time with that operator. I think it's sometimes okay to talk about this stuff because you're getting placed, you're crewing up for something. Everyone's getting placed into a team and like, not everyone is going to get along in life. Not everyone is going to communicate well to, you know, everyone, it's like, you're not friends with everyone in the world, you know, you have your people. And, but I think I get along with most people, but sometimes I, you know, there's people I don't get along with or they don't, you know, whatever, we don't communicate good. And, and that's, that's how that job was. It was really hard. And I was like, please just stay please just like, please frame up. Like it is so hard what we're doing. I just need to get these things. And I'm a perfectionist. You know, I think something that I'm trying to work on as I get older is just like chilling the fuck out and like knowing that it's, it's actually fine. Like no one, you know, that's it. Everyone cares, but they don't care as they don't get, you know, I get obsessed with stuff. Like I get obsessed with stuff being sharp. I get obsessed and I can't handle it if it's not perfect. And it is something that I, you know, I think it makes me really good at my job to be that way. I think it makes me, you know, you were saying that you can just get, if you feel like disconnected or they're like not appreciated or you don't feel connected to the team, you might just be like, fuck this. Like, whereas I, I mean, I get, I feel like fuck this, but I feel like angry and I feel down, but it also makes me like, I don't stop like getting obsessed with it being, I'm obsessed with it being perfect. And I have to like, you know, sometimes it's not going to be perfect. They're going to put you through stuff. They don't understand unless they're a focus puller and they've pulled focus for years and years and years and years. I don't think there's that many DPs that really did. Like I haven't worked with that many DPs that did it for years and years and years and years. Like they just don't see stuff the same way that we do. They don't actually, they're like, it's sharp. It's sharp. It's like, it's not sharp. Like I'm watching it. It is not perfect. You know? And I think you've got to chill. I've got to chill out sometimes to just be like, you know what? Like, they know what they they know what they know what part of this that they need, and if it gets fucked up or you you mess it up a little bit, it's okay. You know, it's 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 okay if they want to shoot it like that. They you know they're the head of the department. They get to choose what they're doing, exposure wise, whether you're on a diopter, if they're working at minimums like constantly and tracking in at minimum. It's like they're choosing that, and. Most of them, most of the time, like own it and they, they're like, you know, they, they'll say you're doing good work, but you know, there are the occasional, per- the occasional person that you find and they just like, they just don't know how hard, they just don't know what they're putting you through. And, uh, that's when it can get, <laughs> there's a lot you hear. I don't, I've never walked off a job. Have you ever walked off a job? No, but with this last one, I was very close, but, um, <laughs> 
I feel like yes, it's getting harder and harder. Like the lenses are, you know, uh, we we get to work with really good lenses these days, um, and everyone seems to love the wide open kind of look, which I think is crazy anyway. Because I think, mo especially anamorphics, I don't think yeah. they work wide open. I think wide yeah. open. I mean, they're you know the Cook anamorphics because you you got those. They're beautiful, beautiful lenses, um, and what 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 makes them so beautiful is that characteristic of like not being sharp everywhere um but you know if you operate them at a 2.8 they're still going to give you a very beautiful image and yeah. uh and at least there's a little bit of a spot in there that's like sharp um but it's i i did an interview uh, a few months ago with a german ac uh Aurel Wunderer, and he said to me that um, because he's been a focus puller for 20 years and um, I really admire his work and he said um, for him and he had to learn this but for him it's timing over perfection in terms of sharpness and so I talked to um, the B camera operator that was on that last movie with me and uh, he's also a DP and I worked with him before and um, you know we, we, we get along really well and so we have a lot of like these technical conversations And I told him that um, that Aurel told me that in this in this interview, and he said, "Well, uh, he absolutely agrees because for him as a DP, when he's sitting there um, watching through a take, and he said, like, even if you lose someone for a second and it's not perfectly sharp, I mean, you know, if you're really messing up, you're messing up, then you have to redo the take. But if it's just not perfect for a second, he's like, if you then roll in slowly and catch it, he says, then it's still a usable take. Like, I can still cut that out and use it. Whereas, like, if you're if you're then going too far because, you know, you're, you're panicking and you're going too fast, and um, he's like, that's then something that kind of throws him off. So if he watches that uh, take, he's like, no, that's, like, that's unusable. But if something is just sharp, uh, not sharp for a split second and then you roll in he's like i i can totally deal with that because the audience will never know and also what was really interesting and that's something that i i think uh none of us really know because we never sit you know with them during the post-production process but he said there are so many ways of like you know sharpening something in post-production so even if you're soft for a second he's like i can totally fix that uh unless it's a really bad take but you know if it's just a little bit off you can still use that and still make it look pretty. And I was like, okay, that's actually really good to know because then I was the same way. Like I always, I was like, this has to be perfect. Like all of it has to be perfect. And now I feel like, no, timing over perfection, I think is is something that I really took to heart and I really liked that approach. I think that's great. I mean, I think that's a great way of saying it. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's okay to, it's never going to be, perfect the whole way through. I mean maybe it will be sometimes but I, I'm working on it <laughs> I'm working on it of just you know just knowing knowing that it's it, that it's okay sometimes for it not to be perfect the whole way through um especially when you're being put through something which is uh almost impossible you know yeah. And a lot of things are these days. But then um, when you, because uh, you said that now you, uh, um, you're working on a 1303 and I'm, I'm always very curious about the monitor um, choice these days as I just sold my 703 and I'm going to go to a 503 because I like like walking around with the hand unit at the monitor on top. Um, yeah. 
how do you like that 1303 and uh, i mean generally do you uh, do you pull by distance a lot um do you rely on the cinetape for the most part um or you know how do you utilize the monitor do you use a lot of peaking like what are your what are your settings and like how do you use those tools i mainly use the distance um but then it depends on the lenses and it depends on the exposure i think that uh for like anything close up anything on like really wacky lenses that maybe I don't know so well or, um, but yeah, I, I'll use the monitor in, in kind of harmony with the cine tape. Um, I go back and forth between the two readings or like looking at the monitor and reading and then also looking at, you know, I always have like line of sight. Well, I always try to have line of sight so I can really anticipate what's going on. Um, I really uh, am diligent within like if we get, rehearsal time I think I've learned to to chill out a lot more if we're not getting a rehearsal like I think I've I just kind of spend that time to like do my own rehearsal and make sure that I'm getting what I need um but Alfie and Max have always like supported me too and I mean I, I'm good I I think I've learned to to speak up as I've you know the more that I've done it I I I can kind of work quickly if I need to grab things before but um, but yeah, I use, I love the 1303. I think that it hasn't helped me in terms of like, uh, <laughs> not being such a perfectionist. I think that it doesn't hide anything. You know, it's like, it's, everything is right there. It's very clear what's sharp and what's not like on that kind of size and that brightness. It's like, it's, it's made me even more obsessed. So I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing, but I think it's, it's helps my, it's, I feel like I'm not straining my eyes as much. Uh, but I am like, yeah, I think it's just so much bigger. It's, it's, it, you can continue to, to be obsessed by what's sharp and what's not. And, 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 and I, so I, yeah, I don't know if that's the best for that reason. I have like, if I need to jump off of it, um, I'll usually like chuck a 703 on my hand unit. I can't go back to the five. I, I can't, I'm, I'm impressed. You must have much better vision than me going back to the 503 would well, be, I haven't tried it yet. So I'm, I'm, uh, we'll see. Maybe I've made a mistake. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff though. Like if we're like running around where like, maybe I won't even have the monitor there. I don't know. Like if it's steady cam running around and I like know the shot, like I just won't use the monitor at all. Um, it just depends on what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, it's a real, as far as like tools or like the technical tools, I think that I have all those things and I use them all for like different moments and uh, like tracking work is like a whole other ball game. I think I'm like really analog in my approach to that uh, in terms of like using my laser or lasers and like, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I mean, I go back to basics on that. So we'll have to have another conversation about this, I think, once you have the CineRT, because when it comes to tracking shots, uh, I love using their little um, focus bugs. I mean, it's absolutely insane what these things have gotten me through, uh, even without a rehearsal. It's just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. All right, uh, Emmy, let's let's get into uh, Emmy Land a little bit more. Um, okay. uh, you have described uh emiland as a boutique rental house um explain a little like what's the philosophy behind this what what does that mean what's your approach there so i think that uh well 
there's only six of us that work at Emmyland, um, and we've got, but we've got like a really quite quite a big space now. Um, we just took on another office, uh, but yeah, we we just want to provide a very personal, uh, and when I say boutique, I think just like a very like high end experience. Like I don't know if you imagine like going shopping in like a really like a really nice clothing store where they're like offering you coffee and tea and like someone's looking after you the whole time and like you know I think that <laughs> that's the kind of thing we're doing it's it's a you know it's a small business that we try to treat every job well we do treat every job uh whether it's like the biggest feature that we might be supplying or whether it's like a smaller low budget music promo like every single job has the same, um, you know, we're treating everybody the same. They have the same, you know, everyone can come in and prep. Everyone gets looked after. Like every job is really important to us because we are small. And I mean, I know it sounds kind of, it sounds crazy to me to think that there's like five jobs going on in the next two days, but like every single one of those jobs, you know, it's like, we know everyone personally, usually now that we're working with, we know every camera team, we know all the DPs, we know the producers and we want like our space. You know, I think the biggest thing uh, that I feel like we're doing, which like maybe the other rental companies aren't, is that, you know, Max and I are a camera team before we're like the owners of a rental house. You know, we started this because we wanted to be able to supply the best gear to every job, no matter what the job was. We wanted every single camera package that we have to be the best thing so that whether you're working on something really low budget or you're working on, you know, the best, the best and the biggest feature we might ever supply, like you're getting the same gear and it's always perfect and it's always been looked after. And it's, you know, it's, everything is, is, is a hundred percent. There's nothing that's like not cutting it. Um, only the best. I think that for us, we want to look after other camera teams and other camera assistants first and obviously DPs. Uh, but that's kind of where our heart is because that's what we are first and foremost as a camera team. And so, you know, every every one of our kits comes with like every accessory. We don't want every, you know, every focus puller and loader that come to have to like bring all their own things. Like most of our kits like include cine locks and they include these plates that we've had made by Ed Radcliffe. Everything is like there. So you don't have to buy your own stuff or you might have it anyway, but you know, you don't have to, you know, everyone gets the best stuff and the get, gets the stuff that's been designed by Max and I. So, um, and it's proven and to it, work because you've, you know, you've tested it, um, in that kind of setup probably in the field over, over the years. Totally. Um, which is something that we'll continue to do. I think, you know, our plans are, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay on set once I uh, recover from my, my injury, from my bike crash, you know, I'll be back on set hopefully in January. Um, maybe it might be a little bit after that, but you know, and Alfie and I will continue to work, uh, doing servicing all of our jobs as wet hire, which is what we've always done. But then the kind of dry hire machine at Emmyland will you know, be growing and, um, you know, but we're always going to have our feet on set. You know, I'm always going to be on set for the rest of my life. I, I hope. And, um, you know, we'll, we, I think that that's really important to like stay connected to like what's actually going on, like on set and like what's, act, you know, I think sometimes it's hard for 
a lot of you know a lot of rental houses they don't have that that real connection you know they can hear about it when people come in but they're not actually there for like every day and i think that it's really important uh to to have i mean for us it's it, it's you know i think that we're in a privileged position to 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 be able to have that kind of direct contact working ourselves and then you know bringing it back to our company and making sure that everyone gets the best things included yeah. with each of our our camera packages you know and and all you know all of our monitors all of our lens control systems like everything comes with everything so you just don't have to worry but that i think that's a very smart approach because you know you I, i've seen on instagram for example i uh, there was a um there was a picture of a of a, i think it was an alexa mini um with a little uh, I don't think it was a sticker. It was sort of like a patch, maybe, or I'm not sure how you did that. Um, that kind of gave all the information of the Cook anamorphic lens set. Um, you know what what stop, um, what uh, what lenses you have, and so on. And I usually make those myself, and I print them out, and then uh, you know kind of put foil around it, and then just put it on the camera, um, which is an extra step and it takes some time and it, um, I, I like doing it especially for a feature so that everyone has that information available uh, but you know if the rental house does it for me um, I mean first of all you can do it in a way nicer way it looks way nicer than what I come up with um, and second of all then I don't have to do it um, and I think that's the kind of care that you can probably only provide when you when you're connected to this world when you understand how important that can be for certain people on set, which I think in uh, a lot of rental houses, like what I've experienced here in Germany, they don't do that. And also I think, um, and maybe uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but since you grew up in the United States, I'm not sure how it is in the UK, but if you compare customer service in the United States and that goes for a rental house, as well as any other place where you go and buy anything, um, Customer service in the U.S. is so much better than it is in Germany, and I assume that's the same for all in Europe. Um, uh, did you take that approach, like from the U.S. with you, and say, like, you know, customer service is important, and that's how I would want to be treated as an AC? So that's how I'm going to treat other people when they come to my rental house. I mean, I probably didn't like consciously think about that, but I mean, I did consciously think about that when I moved here in my 20s, I would say to my ex-boyfriend all the time, like, customer service in London just doesn't exist. I hate it here. You know, I, I, I really struggled moving, you know, I think we speak the same language, but like culturally, I mean, California and London are like, I mean, we could not be more culturally different. Um, but yeah, I guess like consciously, you know, like I, even though I'm not an American citizen, like I am like American in my heart, even though I'm not on paper. Well, of course I bring that to, to our business. I think that I wouldn't know how to, how to do it any other way. I think, you know, I didn't start it, uh, knowing that we would be at the size that we are now. Um, like my initial business plan was certainly not to, Uh, be running like a proper rental company um, but you know it organically has grown into this and because we wanted to grow we wanted to be able to to supply bigger jobs and we saw that we, you know I really believe that there like is a market for us even though you know I've accepted I think that like you know we're never going to supply like the biggest tv shows or like the biggest films we're never going to supply that but it's that doesn't matter because You know, there's, you know, I've always loved independent film, like since I was a teenager and like, 
you know, there's so there's so many films beyond like the biggest films that are coming out all the time, and you know that's where we what we really want to do, and 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 you know, and and also like I love you know I I go back and forth between working on films and then, you know, I work on commercials, and you know I sometimes do the occasional music video now, but you know I like I like jumping back and forth, and you know if we can supply like really great independent films and like really big uh commercial you know productions like we're happy we're happy i think that uh we just want to we just want to do good work and we want other camera assistants to feel like supported by a rental house that is like thinking about them and and wants them to do you know i don't want anyone to ever get on set with our gear and like be having a nightmare like that's not what i i would i mean that's like the antithesis of what i wanted to do when i started this I don't know. The more that you can kind of give back as you get older too. And like, it's like, I've, you know, developed a system, like you're talking about those lens tables that we have, which I have to say, they are made by an amazing man named Steve Aitchison. And he runs a business called 4130 Photography. He makes um, clapperboards and like these, he makes like all these different kinds of, 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 uh, labels and 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 case you know you can get your cases labeled up by him he's a genius um but we supply those lens tables we have like i think we have six sets of them now so if someone wants them like they're always available to be you know we have them all velcroed and ready so they can just stick them on camera that is I, you know those are the 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 kind of little details that i that i miss at pretty much every rental house that i go to do you do you want to start a um a second branch here in germany of emiland like please because i would love to go there <laughs> and rent the equipment that oh. way it would be great maybe one day we will i think once we get to a certain size here in london i think you know maybe we'll we'll have another another office somewhere cool, cool. please uh please let me know if it is germany i have one other question about all your equipment do you Because you said that uh, Max is, um, you know, training to become a, a lens technician or a master lens technician, I think is what you called it. Um, uh, do you uh, maintain all your equipment in house? Uh, I'm just curious because I'm, I don't know how this works. Can you? Do you have to be certified by, say, Ari, for example, if you want to, you know, if you want to yeah. work deeper on an Alexa or whatever? How does that work? Yeah. So you do need to like you can you can do the like ARI like cer certification courses. Um, you need to make sure that you've done these because I think that if you are like opening up a camera or you're doing anything like you can get into trouble if you don't have that certification in terms of like warranty and stuff. So um, we haven't been doing that until this point um, because like we didn't have that certification. And also the same goes with like the cook or cook lenses um we've got a set of pancros as well as uh our cook anamorphics and um max is shortly going to be going on there's a, they they offer a course at cook um where you can you know you go it lends you know a lens technician course so max is doing that very soon which is very exciting and he's going to spend the whole of 2022 going to cook he's going to ari he's going to zeiss I think that he may go to like Abel Cine in LA to do some work there as well. Um, but basically our goal is to do everything uh, internally that we can do um, because, you know, not only does it like cost a lot of money to like send things away to get fixed because it's not only the money that it costs to fix the thing, but it, 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 
it's time out. It's it's time out that that uh, piece of kit can't be working. So, um, you know, and there's always going to be like Teradek stuff that like you just, you know, like you just need to send the Teradek away. Like it just needs to be, <laughs> that's always going to happen. Um, and there is like insurance, like for productions, if someone damages something, like there is loss of hire, but you know, sometimes that's really annoying to the client and it's just a nightmare. So like the more that you can do internally, like the better. Um, but I also think beyond it kind of being a money saving thing, it's just like, you know, it's just people want, you know, when assistants come and DPs come, like they want to like, to know that everything is maintained there. They want to have that kind of credibility. And so, you know, I think we're in the process of, of becoming that for, for everyone that we work with. Um, but I think that once Max has completed his training or I don't know if he'll ever complete it, but you know, he'll constantly be evolving now but I think that like he's going to become uh, like a really what our goal is, is to make him become like very sought after in terms of like his technical knowledge as, as far as lenses and, and and just making sure that, you know, everyone knows who's looking after our gear here. So um, 2022 is a big, a big year for Max and for Emmyland. Cool. Then I'll do the next interview with Max then when... Uh in, in 2023 yeah. so he can tell me all the secrets about uh, how he got a, a master technician I'm sure he would love to do that one day I think you said this in another in another podcast um, it, it might might have been a while it might still be true um, you assume that you're the only uh, female running a rental house in the UK currently is that still what you believe yeah I mean, I'm like, I'm pretty certain if that, if there is another woman doing this, like I need to meet you immediately, but I think I'm the only one. I think that I'm one of two in the world. The other uh, business is in, or the other rental company is in LA, B-Cine. Um, and I can't remember her name right now. She's a DP that started it, but I think that we're the only two women that are like the founder or like managing director of like an you know a, a rental house um in the world which is like i mean it is kind of sad but it's like i i understand why um i certainly never thought i would be doing this i i never thought that this would even be like an option so as a career you know but i uh yeah it's it, it is absurd it is it is absolutely absurd but i think it's something um it is very important because it, it you know in a way you're kind of like a role model now and you can show other women that this is absolutely possible uh, even in such a male uh, dominated industry but um, generally is that something you know that you care about a lot and is there something that you would like to say to female colleagues that are just getting into the industry is there any sort of advice that that you have it's it's a it is like a difficult conversation to have I think I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier in terms of like I feel like how I've progressed through my career maybe because there are so many guys but I feel like it really is like the men that I've met along the way uh that have like really kind of treated me as an equal and like upheld what I was doing that have really like helped me progress because 
the world was theirs. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the ACing or the camera department was theirs. And like, they've kind of made it a space for me because of, you know, it's because of them. But, but saying that, like, there's lots of women that are doing uh, great things, especially in the UK for the camera department. I think that I feel like I'm a little bit on like the fringes of that. And I don't know if part of that is because I do have my own rental house. So sometimes maybe our jobs are like more specific to like, you know, what we're doing and I'm not really in the TV world at all, but I do feel like, um, and I don't know if this is like something that a hundred percent I should say. So maybe you might want to cut it out, but, but if not, I'm, I think I'm okay saying it, but I definitely don't feel like, uh, that it's like female DPs that have like supported, uh, our business. I don't think, you know, and maybe that's because I'm not like shouting from the rooftops all the time at being like, support the female run rental house, you know, support us or support the, like the, the independent, like local rental company. Cause we are truly independent. I think that's something that everyone should know is that, uh, we didn't have any investment, you know, into our business. Like everything that we've done, we've like borrowed from a bank that we're on like a constant treadmill, like paying back, our loans to the bank. We didn't have anyone come magically and give us a cash investment. However, we are working on that. We are like hoping that this year we're going to get investment. And there's lots of people that we're talking to now. Um, but as of right now, like it's just Max and I that are the only shareholders of our business. And like everything we've done is like just us. But I certainly didn't. I mean, I sometimes I've gotten down because I feel like women don't support what I'm doing enough or and I, and I think that that's not always true, but I, I just, I don't feel like women support each other enough. And I think that women also like, don't always like invest in each other enough. I was speaking to like another, uh, uh, a woman who's, uh, in my family who also is, is she's, she's got her own startup. She's, um, uh, running a lingerie, like a subscription lingerie company. And she actually uh, just got like venture capital investment for her business. And she's like, in a 1%, uh, there's only 1% of businesses in the world that are, that are, that are, are from venture, that come from venture capital investment. Uh, only 1% of them are female run. And she uh, told me about how most of the people she's dealing with are, you know, that kind of control these things are, are white men, but it's not that, um, she believes that that isn't, uh, necessarily because women aren't allowed in those spaces. She believes it's, you know, there's lots of women in this world that have money and, you know, it's not always because they inherited it from family or divorce. Like there's lots of women that have, that have money, but she believes that women like to invest in, uh, things that are safer, like property or, um, you know, but, but, but white men have always been like rolling the dice with their money and they're excited to invest in business. So that's maybe why, you know, if more women that had money were investing in business, I mean, this principle like applies right the way down, you know, it's not just about like, you know, uh, people investing in business, but if if there were more women that invested in business, there would be more female-run businesses that are like getting that kind of big-time investment, like she just got. And I think, you know, the same goes for like 
this, I mean, it, it is, it, it has been hard. I think, you know, I see some of the, the, it's a cutthroat industry, you know, it's like we help, you know, we might help someone out on their like lower budget feature, uh, or like, you know, we might help someone out on a short and then like, you know, they're going to another rental company when they get their big, you know, it's not just expense that is like camera assistance all the time. Like, okay, we'll help someone here. And then they take like a different camera team on their big commercial and like that hurts. But like, imagine that as the rental house, you know, like we've done work like where, you know, we, we supplied something for someone a couple of years ago. And then we found out that they took their really big feature to Panavision. And it's like, Why? Like, why? Like, what are we not doing? Like, do we not just, you know, it's like you ask yourself all these questions all the time. I feel like that's happened more with women than men. I think that men have taken more, you know, not risks with us, but they're like, I'm going to go get Emmy to supply this. This is a great job for them to do. Whereas I think that there is, and maybe it's just because early days, I think that there's like a, you know, for DPs, I think that they, they need to work with every rental company. And I understand that they need to like keep their relationships, but I feel like there's a real, like kind of female thing in everyone's brain of like, like I need to look like I'm working with Panavision. I need to look like I'm working with Ari. Like I need to do these big jobs of these big rental houses. And it's like, but do you feel that maybe, because I, I mean, maybe for for women in the industry, it's um, maybe it's a little bit harder to support other women because it is such a male-dominated industry, and they always, um, you know, for the longest time uh, and still to this day, have to kind of look out for their own careers more than than men do. Maybe I don't know. I think that women are like really competitive, and I think that like we need to stop that. Like I'm just not about that. But women, you know, I, you know, growing up, women are always competing with each other. And I guess maybe that's because there's not as much space for us. I don't know what it is. Like, but we're competing. You know, when I was growing up, it's like you're competing for like, like who's going to, you know, get with that guy or what, you know, it's like all it, it's like constant competition, constant mm. comparing yourself to someone else about how you look, how you dress, how you, you know, and I think that is still going on. I, I mean, this is like really complicated stuff. I think that. I don't know where I'm coming. I think that I I really wish that uh, women would support each other more. I think that I'm guilty of not hiring enough women myself. Uh, you know, two of us out of six right now that work at, at Emmyland are female, including myself. I'm looking to hire more women. I just haven't found them yet. I think that... Uh, That is going to change. You know, when I started, I didn't know any, I mean, other than Kate Mullen, who I met when I was early days, like I didn't know any, I didn't know, I didn't know anyone else. Uh, and I, you know, it's not unusual. Like the bigger the jobs, I'd say the bigger jobs that I get on, the less women there are, especially in like technical roles. Um, and, but, you know, I think that that is going to change, but it'll only change by like, Not just women, but also men hiring women because, like, I mean, that's you know, I've been hired. Like, they they made a space for me, and I need to do that too, though, for you know, young trainees that are coming up, and and also in my business. You know, Max and I have a plan that we definitely want to feel like we're fifty fifty 
across the board and we're still working to to find that you know it, it is if we put a job up or when we were hiring you know it's like i would say 99 percent of the people writing in to to have our jobs with us are male yeah but while we're on the um on that topic i would um there's a there's a website called uh, women behind the camera dot co dot uk and uh i really think that that's an amazing website where um, female industry workers are listed um, by department. So I think you have uh, DPs, operators, um, even specialty operators, um, first ACs, second ACs, trainees, uh, I think lighting department and grip, if I'm not mistaken. Um, very few grips in there. I think only three three women listed as grips. Um, but I was... I was positively surprised by how many camera assistants and uh, generally uh, camera operators and dps i found on there i know it's still not enough and it's still not nowhere close to like 50 percent, but i think that's a that's a pretty substantial list um and uh i think you're on that website as well and uh is there is there any is there any more information that you have about it because i i think it's a really cool platform Yeah, so I think like that platform was founded by Lucy Bristol, who's an operator. Aga, uh, I think her surname is pronounced Zelika, but I don't know. So sorry, Aga and Ilana Garrard. And uh, yeah, so three operators, they started it. I think it's them that started it. I forgive me if I'm wrong, but they reached out to all of us and uh Uh, so we're all on there. I mean, I'm sure there's people that aren't on there that are working now. I mean, it's just like so much is changing. There's so many women. We had a job a few weeks ago. There were like, ev there were two camera teams prepping at the same time and everyone was female, both the loader and focus puller from both those camera teams. And then like myself and Ellie who works with us uh, in our kit room. And we actually, it was the first time ever that there'd been more women in the office than men. Um, but I'm sure there's more that aren't on the website yet, but that they, yeah, they have like amazing, um, like kind of webinars that they're doing. Uh, and I mean, it's just all about, uh, kind of connecting in the UK as women that are working in the department. They're also really encouraging, like, Uh, moving into different roles if you are interested in doing that and that it's you know that's something else that's like really hard to talk about I, th I don't know how it is over there but over here I think it's always been hard for like I think or I felt it as a focus puller like I didn't know if there was ever really space I feel like people are like secretive if they like think they might be progressing or not talking about it that much because they're afraid that they're not going to work so much as a focus puller um, it's maybe more encouraged, like loading, if you're going to step up, but I don't know. Um, but on this website, like everyone's listed that like, is wanting to progress and step up, which is very cool. And it's like, it just feels like a very, uh, like important and like progressive space, but also like a safe space for like women to connect and that are doing the same thing. Whereas like, we felt like we were all like just scattered about before. Um, and I went to one of their... Um, we had like a picnic uh, after the first lockdown, I think, um, like a socially distanced picnic uh, where we were all able to meet each other. Because, I mean, a lot of those women, like I've never, I've, I've like seen them on Instagram or I've heard of them from someone else, but I've never like worked with them myself. Most of like the bigger jobs that I've done where like there's two cameras, like usually 
the other focus puller has been male. Um, I've done like one, I did one kind of live event. It was only a one day or where I met like a lot of women, uh, on that. That also sometimes feels a little bit weird to me. I don't know if I should talk about that. Sometimes it's like you get on a job and you realize that like there's men involved that like only want to work with women. So they hired all women. And then you feel like shit, like, Oh, I was just hired. Cause I'm like a woman for this, which is just like, I fucking hate that. I hate that. But because uh, I just never want to, I know that's like a part of like me, I guess, you know, it's a part of me. So they might like some things that I m- might bring to the table over a guy or whatever, but I don't want to be hired like with like another 10 women, like on some job where it's like, it just felt like there were like, you know, there were, I don't know, five or six cameras, I guess on that job. And like everyone was female. It just felt really weird. Like, Cause it's so unusual to like meet other women and then to have all of us, email. it felt like a, I don't know, but, um, but this, but the website is, is very, uh, important. And I think it's just so good that if someone is looking to hire a woman, uh, or just to like open their, if they don't know any, any women, like there are tons because we're all on there. So you can go and find us that way. And, Maybe you'll want to hire us, maybe you won't, but it's good to talk and good to, like, you know, if you're crewing up for something, to be able to go there and and find, like, pretty much every woman that's working in the department is right there in the UK, so... Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a that's a really cool platform, um, and I, I haven't... I've checked, but I haven't seen anything similar um, going on here in Germany, so I um, I would hope that uh, that's that's something we can have here as well. Maybe if anyone was interested in in starting like a German branch of that, to just email Aga, Ilana, or Lucy, or like email them, and because I mean it would be so amazing if it was like extended beyond the UK, you know, and they could easily make this like a worldwide thing. Um, but I, I know that there's lots of work being done elsewhere, but I'm sure that they would be willing to collaborate, and I know that. You know, when all of us, if we do travel, I've done like a fair amount of traveling as a focus puller and I sometimes haven't been able to go with Max. And I've always like, you know, I'm always when I do that, reaching out to see if anyone has any crew recommendations for loaders elsewhere. And uh, it'd just be amazing to have that platform be available for women in other countries as well. So, yeah, absolutely. The last thing I would like to ask you, Emmy, is um, I always ask this at the at the very end. Um, can you think of a really good piece of advice that you have been given by uh, another AC or some somebody in the camera department? Um, they have two things probably. Um, the first, well, I guess it's probably a little bit different now, but Ralph Messer, who is an amazing focus puller that also works here in London, uh, told me to buy a cine tape, but that was like. I mean, almost 10 years ago, but now, yeah. But, but buy a city tape or an RT, like, immediately. And he told me that when I was first starting out. And I don't know. I think that kind of, I don't know who told me this, but I mean, I, I think, and I've talked about it a little bit already today, but uh, being humble and kind uh, is something that I think can really set you apart as an assistant and kind of as like a leader of a team. And I think that like pride 
or arrogant. I think it's pride that is like one of the seven deadly sins. Do you have, you know, you know, the seven yeah. deadly sins? Yeah. So, uh, like arrogance slash pride is like one of those. And I think that that's really important. I mean, it has been for me in terms of just like growing and getting older and, 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 and not kind of having, there's so much ego in the film industry and I think that if you can kind of try to remove that uh, as a focus puller and as like as a camera assistant, I think that that is something that can really push you to go a long way. You know, if you're if you're kind and, and humble and you do good work, I just don't think that there's any way that you you wouldn't progress and succeed. And you know, I think there's so much technical knowledge that you need to have too, but those two things coming first, I think are, are really important. So someone told me that one, you know, to have humility all the time, I think is, 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 is very, very important. Indeed. Amy, I think that's, that's it. Uh, with today's um, episode, I really, really, really appreciate your time. I think this was a great talk. I learned a lot and, uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to, to meet you at last. And that concludes today's episode of the Focus Puller at Work podcast. Thanks again to Emmy for sharing her thoughts and thank you for listening. As always, if you like the podcast, please uh, help us make it more visible to the world by leaving a nice review with all the stars. And should you have any questions or critique or if you would like to be uh, on the pod yourself, please send us an email to info at focuspullerwork.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'll catch you next time on the Focus Puller at Work podcast.